0: Thank you very much, Dorothy. Hands up who got all of them correct. Hands up who was lying just then. <laughs> very good, very good. All right. Well, welcome everyone to church this evening. We are nearing the end of our Winter Warmers series and we've had and we have heard some incredible messages so far. We have heard about faith, about joy, being authentic with God, and being authentic with others. And tonight as you could probably guess by the game, I'm going to talk to you about plants. Now, I'm not much of a green thumb, although I have, not to brag, been able to keep alive a fake succulent for multiple years now. Um, Thank you. Thank you. But more so than that, I thoroughly enjoy spending time out in nature, walking among the sorbuses, sorbi, sorbuses, (laughs) I don't know, among the trees um, and looking at fresh air, incredible views and just spending time taking a moment, but also spending time with God out in nature as well. One of my favorite spots was at a friend's place. Before my wife and I got married, she lived next door to a vineyard and it was out in Rilbya and there was beautiful views of the mountain and there was a paddock in the backyard, and I could just sit there for like hours, just breathing in the fresh air, watching the view of the mountain, and then looking over and seeing this vineyard just there laid out. Something that's cool about nature is that it's also biblical to spend time in nature as well. We see it in many different places within the Bible. Jesus spent time in nature in many different areas. He spoke about nature in the parable of the sower and parable of the weeds. He spoke about you know, all the different types of plants that we need to get. And we see other characters in the Bible and other people in the Bible too, spending time in nature, mainly because I didn't have big cities to spend time in, but also it was there for therapy, therapy and to just enjoy as well too. But one particular parag- um, passage I want to share with you guys tonight is when Jesus was walking with his followers and they were walking past a vineyard of their own. And I would like to invite Zeke up to share with you the passage. It is John fifteen verses one through seventeen. I just want to shout really loud. Oh. Does we Can need a mic? Alright. <laughs> oh. There we go. Thank you. All right. Um, John fifteen verses one to seven says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I am there, I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch, and withers such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. All right, before I jump in to tonight, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth, and we thank you that we get to read it, learn from it, and then grow with you in it. Father, I pray over tonight, pray that you'll keep us all safe, and we just pray, Lord, that you will help us as we explore this passage, God, that we will be able to hear from you directly. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, this scripture shares a few key ideas about remaining in Christ, what our disposition is, should be, between ourselves as followers, and also how we should bear fruit and what that fruit should be. So I wanna pull apart this with the very first verse. John 15:1 says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. Jesus is stating that he is the true vine. True being defined as genuine, real and trustworthy. He isn't just saying I am the vine, I am the true vine. Jesus stating here that he is a trustworthy connection between God and his people. The real genuine connection for us as the branches to grow and produce fruit for God's glory. If Jesus is the true vine, then it challenges us to think about what some fake vines could be that we are attaching ourselves to. Could it be cultural expectations, um, the idea of the world, social media, money or status, or even relationships? These things aren't inherently bad at the start, but none of them should be the vine that we attach ourselves to. Only Jesus should be that vine. When we are connected to Jesus, he is our source for everything that we need. What our source is, is what we fill ourselves with and what produce we will make accordingly. Therefore, if we are branches a part of a vine, then what is our source? If we were to go with me for a second, if we're attached to the vine of the world, then it would be easy to presume that we would create a fruit accordingly to that vine. It would be things such as fear surrounding the ever-growing mental health crisis in the world, could be things of greed, wanting to build a financial success, or lust or selfish intent, wanting only what's the best for us. Or it could be the never-ending financial or success in business and in work goals, that, that were feeding on that feeding on the self-help, feeding on what we can hear on podcasts or on social media. Likewise, if we're connected to the world or the vine of community and relationship, then we're only ever gonna get a very two-dimensional view of what that vine will be. We're focused on what others are doing and what we're doing for them and with them, or focused on what we can get from other people and they're focused on what they can get from us. If that's our source, then we're only ever going to go out and in, and we're never going to be full. With this idea of there being other vines, it shows the importance of Jesus being the true vine, and Jesus stating in here upwards of ten times to abide in him, remain in him, come to me, all these different ways he says it in Scripture. His heart isn't to control us or manipulate us, but to protect us and for love and to produce good fruit. This shows the importance of remaining in Him and His love. Jesus knows how much better off we will be, how much more fruit we can produce, and how much greater the impact we can have when He is our source. He states to His followers that we aren't just slaves or pawns in doing His bidding for Him, but He states that we are His friends, co-workers with Him to bring about His Father's business. In verse 15 and 16, it says... I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. We should remain on his vine and produce fruit for him. Jesus also shares the consequences of what happens when we don't abide in him. In, in verse six, it says, whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burnt. I really wanna flag that Jesus will always allow us to produce fruit. He always wants us to come back to him and to abide in him. But if we don't, there are consequences. And these consequences will be thrown away into the fire if we do not abide in him, and we cannot bear any more fruit. But when can we not bear any more fruit? When we're physically unable to bear fruit, when we're dead. So tonight, if you're feeling a bit worried that you might be someone who might be thrown away, don't worry. Know that there's always time to re-abide in Christ. And I'm gonna share with you a few ways that we are able to remain in Christ. Verse two goes on to say, "'He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit.'" Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, to make it bear more fruit. I also want to take note of the difference between breaking off and pruning. Breaking off is painful, it hurts, and it involves a lot of work. Now, pruning might seem similar. It's painful, it'll hurt, and it's a lot of hard work. But the role of these two are very different. Breaking off is because there is no more fruit to be had. Nothing else can be done and it's useless, so he breaks it off and throws away. Pruning, on the other hand, is because it needs to refocus the direction and energy of where the plant is and what it is doing. I wanted to mention this because pruning really hurts, and it's a real part of our faith journey with Christ. If God is pruning something, it isn't because he's trying to hurt you. It's because he loves you. And in Hebrews 12, it states, For the Lord disciplines those whom he loves and chastises every child whom he accepts. And later on in the chapter, in Hebrews 12, verses 11, it says, Now discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, but later it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God chooses to prune or discipline us, not for the sake of hurting us, but on the contrary, to help us grow and produce more f- effective fruit. It's about transferring the focus and the energy from the tasks and the things that we're doing for him into something that God seems mo- deems more important, more practical, and more helpful for the mission and the fruit that God wants us to do. Then the result will be growing in new, healthier fruit that God can use for whatever his plans are. To explain this in a more practical way, I want to share a story to you all tonight from my own personal life. On the 29th of April, earlier this year, my wife and I awoke to a loud bang um, of the neighbor's house being set on fire, which was connected to ours through the garage. This was now eight weeks after we had just moved in after a large ordeal with our last place, and five weeks after we had the most horrible time with COVID. So, for us, a house fire and homelessness was about the last thing we wanted to have happen in our life. Our house was completely smoke-damaged. You couldn't go in there for more than 10 minutes before getting a headache. Even the people that have come to clean up had to take breaks often. Everything we owned either stank of smoke or was broken due to smoke damage and ward damage. And this left us homeless, itemless, and very defeated. This felt very much like being cut off. This felt like God was saying, no, sorry, you want a home? No. You want some bed? You want a bed? You want to sleep in your own bed? No, you can't have that. Um, You've had a long day at work? Oh, okay, you just want to relax on your couch? No, you can't. (laughs) No. No, Toby, you can't have a couch. It really sucked. It really did. It was a super tough time. There were many tears, many tough conversations, and a lot of stress. And to be honest, it still kind of feels like that way. And looking at it from the outside appearance, it looked like I had been broken off and thrown into the fire, literally. Um, But to be honest, it is still kind of a tough time, but God is good. Two weeks prior to before the fire, Courtney and I were hosting our life group in our home, where we had more than 10 young adults in our home, sharing in fellowship, in prayer, in reading the Bible, and sharing a community with one another. Courtney and I even joked at the end of the night how we didn't have enough space and how we'd have to get more furniture just to accommodate how many people we were coming in. We all thought we were doing great, but it, God knew this and he had his plans. My faith at the time was quite plateaued. I was just going through the motions, going to work, going home, reading my Bible, tick, praying to God, tick, going to church, tick. It was very flat and I was just living the motions of the life, but cue the fire. The fire really made me wrestle with God. I had many, why God, moments. I had the, please drop a new place into our lap moments, and also the, God, I'm done. I just need a miracle moments too. But God was big enough to handle me at my angriest and my saddest, and he allowed me to go through all of these different emotions and was there waiting for me to dig deeper with him while all the side lovingly and graciously supporting and providing for me throughout this all. I also want to take this moment and thank everyone who helped at this time. Thank you to our community here at church and those online and the broader community. Thank you for being Jesus's hands and feet to Courtney and myself during this season. It was really tough but we couldn't have done it without you and without God so genuinely thank you so much. I can now in hindsight see how these events occurring, God was moving, pruning and cleaning me to refocus myself onto him, deepening my trust, dependence and faith on him. He opened up opportunities to connect with people whom I haven't seen in years. He allowed us to get help in finances that weren't even possible for us and when we were looking at budgets being like, we can't even do anything. And he also allowed us to grow and rebuild our life group in a new and different way to grow for expansion later on. Now, to finish up this story, Courtney and myself have found a new rental in town, that's quite lovely, and we were given a beautiful insurance payout that we're able to put towards a house deposit, and I have now a faith that is dependent on God for my provision. God didn't send this fire to prune me, he isn't evil or sadistic like that. He, he doesn't want to cause trauma. He isn't evil or wants to play with all of that stuff. But in the midst of all of this stuff happening, God used each and every moment, both good things and bad things, to help grow, shape, and prune me to get out of this plateau and back into repentance and a deeper relationship with him. The fire wasn't an easy thing to go through, but with God and with others, it was great. So, knowing that God prunes those he loves and that Jesus desires us to remain in him, the true vine, what would the results of being part of this true vine be? What can we see when we remain in Christ? Well, the first one is mentioned in verse 16, which says, And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. Fruit that will last this is the first of the things we can see. It will be leaving a lasting legacy and impact in God's kingdom, whether that's discipling someone, bringing someone to Christ, or showing God's hands and feet through hospitality and care, or serving each other. This fruit isn't here today and gone tomorrow. It's not just something that we can see, enjoy for a moment, and then it's gone. It's fruit that lasts, that has an impact that can last days, weeks, months, years, or generations for God. When Christ is our source and our Heavenly Father is guiding and pruning us, this fruit leaves a legacy with the t- trademark for the kingdom of God. The second result is connected to the first and its multiplication. In Mark 4, verse 20, it states: And these are the ones sown on good soil. They hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. This is in relation to another parable that Jesus told. I talked about it earlier at the start, the parable of the sower. When the seed, the good news, or the gospel, is spread onto good soil, people who are open and willing to accept it and then abide in Christ, they will produce multiplying fruit, 30, 60, and 100-fold. God wants us to produce this multiplying fruit. Jesus even says to his disciples earlier in John, very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the work that I do. In fact, we'll do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. We can do the work that Christ did. We can read the Gospels and see what Jesus has done. We can do the exact same things. But what Jesus is challenging us here to do is to do more and greater works, to multiply these works out. We have been given the same spirit that rose jesus from the dead to do the works and when we remain in christ and have him and do what he has commanded us to do we can see multiplication in our time whether that's just sharing your testimony with someone and then having that person bring three others that want to hear it then you can spread it out and multiply it whether that's inviting one friend to read the bible with you at school or at work or starting a conversation with someone about alpha. These are all different ways that we can start and then we can grow the seed 30, 60, and 100 fold. A third way of abiding in Christ, and the result of it, is certainty about our identity. As we are connected to the vine, we know our source is from him. He is our comfort, our strength, our help, our provider, and our hope. In John 1, it states, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, who abide in him, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Earlier this um, service, I was down and I was feeling really nervous about speaking tonight and I was there in worship and I had to have a moment where I was like, my identity is in Christ. I was so focused on what I was going to say or how I was going to present or what I was going to look like online, but to be authentic, I was like, no, my, my identity is in Christ. I am worshipping and praising Him. And so I took that, took that shift and had to kind of use my own message for myself and to preach to myself here that my identity is in Christ and yours is too when you remain in Christ. So then, how can we remain in Christ? Christ. You know we know the results we know the consequences so how how do we remain in christ well the first one is to lean into the vine ollie alluded to this earlier in psalm 1 it says happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers but their delight is in the law of the lord and on his law they meditate day and night they are like trees planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and in all they do, they prosper. Their delight is in the law of the Lord. Everything they do prospers. They are like trees planted by streams of water. You can see that spending time in God's word, meditating on it, will help ground our roots into Christ and help us grow our identity with our source. When we meditate on God's word, it allows space for us to deepen our faith, experience joy, and be authentic with God and with others. Meditating with God on his word is the number one way we can hear from God, too. If you're hoping to get a loud, thunderous voice, well, we can read about it. You can play an audio version of the Bible if you want to hear it. Now, this meditation is not an Eastern spiritual meditation practice. It's not of emptying oneself, but it's one of filling yourself with what God has said and has done. It's about spending time thinking, praying, and listening to God. Wayne spoke brilliantly about this a couple of weeks ago in our morning service, so if you want to learn more about how to meditate on God's Word, I highly recommend you check it out after the service. Another way we can remain in Christ is through prayer. Prayer is our lifeline to God. It's our direct way to connect with Him and to speak with Him. It's an open communication with our Lord, with our vine. The disciples asked Jesus how they should pray. They already knew the importance of prayer and they knew that it would help them remain in Christ. So when Jesus was going about, they asked him how they should pray. And maybe tonight you don't know how to pray or what to pray for in this current season. Well, the good news is is that sometimes we don't even have to worry about what we're going to pray for because in Roman 8, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the very Spirit intercedes with groaning too deep for words, and God, who searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints or those who abide in Him, according to the will of God. When we spend time in prayer, During the time in the fire, I didn't have a lot of words to say to God. I just sat there in a lot of silence, but I was praying. I was praying hard, and in the times of pruning, I was praying hard because I didn't have words. I didn't have eloquence or articulate speech. I was just distraught, and I just had to pray through silence and through noises that were just breathing out or anger, but God heard it, and God was using it. A third way we can remain in Christ and abide in Him is by situating ourselves with those who are better help us. When we have the right people to help focus us and view Christ and put our, put our perspective on Him and not on others. Now, I know I said earlier that community and relationships can be another vine, but it's about the perspective. If you're just going two-dimensional back and forth with them, that's not great. But if you're with people in a community that they put your perspective on God and they just help reflect what He is saying, that is very beneficial towards your growth and your ability to abide in Him. This can look like many different things. It could be a church community, including Hebrews 10, verses 25, which says, "'Do not give up on meeting each other, "'as some are in the habit of doing.' but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Or Proverbs 27, which says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Or 1 Corinthians 12, which says, or just as the body is one with many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. These are all different ways that we can reflect the body of Christ. The importance of gathering together continuously, not just popping into church once, and then letting that have you for a month and then popping back in again. That the need to be back with the source to spend time with those who are also in Christ. Or sharpening one at each other as iron sharpens iron, having conversations with each other, discussing what's happening in the Bible. How are you going? As we heard earlier about having conversations with each other. And also knowing that the body of Christ is larger than just people who look the same as you or act the same as you. Every single one has a part to play other relationships and community we can have is ones of mentoring or discipling, looking like Jesus and his disciples, and you read that all throughout the Gospels, or the similar relationship to that of Paul and Timothy. Spending time with those who are further in their journey with Christ can help support and guide you towards wisdom and encouragement to looking more like Christ. I want to invite the band up now as I slowly wrap up. These are just a few ways That we can remain in Christ, reading His Word, meditating on it, spending time with Him in prayer, even when it hurts, and joining with people who will help you refocus yourself on God, other branches that help you focus on the vine. I want to invite us to reflect on tonight a few simple questions Are we connected to the true vine? Is Christ at our head? Is He our source? Or are we connected to a different vine at the moment? The world, social media, community, money, career school grades, friendship groups, approval of others, our different health. Are there some old twigs in your life that are in need of pruning? Are you focusing your energy on areas that aren't producing fruit? If you don't know if there is or not, ask God. Ask him to prune you, ask him for the areas that he can work in it. And then the third one is what fruit God producing in your life at the moment take a moment to think about what God is doing because that will help you remain in him as well I love the final verse of this scripture that we've shared tonight and this is what I want to end on, I'm giving you these commands so that you may love each other this whole scripture was not meant to cause harm or fear or stress in the disciples this was to share the importance of remaining in Christ so that they could truly love each other And this is the same sentiment today. When we remain in Christ, we can truly love each other. I wanna pray as I close. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you prune us. We thank you that we can abide in your son Jesus and that we get to grow more and more like him, producing fruit for his kingdom,
1: producing fruit that
0: lasts, fruit that multiplies, and that we can know that our identity is in you. Lord, I just pray over each and every one of us tonight that we can reflect and take perspective of what's going on in our own worlds. And Lord, as we get into some worship, Father, that we can just give it all to you and know that our identity comes from you. And I ask this, Jesus, in your mighty name. Thank you.